Welcome to the Three Martini Lunch. Grab a stool next to Greg Corumbus of Radio America and Jim Garrity of National Review. Three Martinis coming up. Hey, really glad you're with us for the Wednesday edition of the Three Martini Lunch. We have good, bad, and crazy martinis for you as usual, and we also have your stool ready for you. So we are really glad you're here. Let's dig right into some good polls, Jim, for us anyway, not so much for Joe Biden. Uh, according to Quinnipiac, which is not exactly the kindest polling firm towards Republicans historically, Uh, Republicans have the edge right now in the generic congressional ballot for 2022. Now, obviously, that's a very long way away. It's over a year until Election Day. But normally, Democrats have at least a slight edge. Uh, Back in 2018, when they took back control of the House, they had a seven-point edge, a little more than that. Back in 2014, when Republicans had a good midterm year, they had uh, about a a two-and-a-half-point lead in the generic ballot in the last poll taken before Election Day. Right now, 46-43 in favor of uh, Republicans. And since the last Q poll uh, back about a month ago, that's about a seven-point swing. So there's a lot of factors going in there. I'm sure Afghanistan's part of it. I'm sure inflation's part of it. Uh, The more people know about the spending bills could be part of it. But, uh, uh, Jim, it's uh, good to see it headed in that direction. We also have polling showing that uh, independents are souring on Joe Biden, down 13 points since January, uh, from 48% to 35%. And that's brought down the party's overall favorable rating, according to this Gallup poll, from 48 to 43%. So, you know, things fluctuate. A lot could change, like we said, in a year. But uh, if you're Republicans, you got to like where you stand. Yeah. And one of the things that kind of jumps out is that, you know, a, a Republican lead on the generic ballot I don't want to say it's unheard of, but it's very, very rare. Usually there's at least a a mild Democratic advantage. And I think if this number we're seeing in Quinnipiac shook out on November 2022, it would be a disaster for Democrats. Not only would they lose the House, they probably would lose it by a large margin. Not only would they lose control of the Senate, you probably would see every you know swingable race going the Republicans' way in 2022. We don't want to oversay it, but the other thing which is kind of intriguing is how much um, this kind of aligns with other numbers. The president's job approval has been really down. Um, right as we're about to uh, tape, Greg, uh, Emerson came out with a new poll in the Virginia governor's race that has McAuliffe 49, Youngkin 48, a one-point race. And obviously that's well within the margin of error, you know, suggesting that this one is, if no, if not a toss-up, then a very small Terry McAuliffe advantage. And this comes four years after Governor Blackface, I'm sorry, Northam, uh, <laughs> won by a you know really solid nine-point margin. And it wasn't really as close as everyone expected it to be. So it is a very different political environment that Democrats have been used to operating for a long time. They basically got very used to being able to say, aren't you sick of Donald Trump? Isn't Donald Trump the worst? And with Donald Trump not on the stage and with Democrats running the show, they're in really rough shape. And the other thing I just want to add to this is uh, recently I had a chance to talk to a veteran Republican statewide official, not in office right now, but somebody who uh, still is very plugged in in Republican circles. And, uh, you know, the first question he was kind of like, so, so what do you, how do you feel about the state of the country? And he just pointed out how like an issue that he hears from people that he feels like doesn't get nearly as much attention is how many businesses are just begging for workers right now and they can't find them. And that's why service is slow at your local restaurant and has a certain amount of exacerbation of the supply chain issues. 
And, you know, there's this sense that something in the economy is broken, that this lawmaker very much believes this is an issue of uh, the generous benefits and all the different ways that we basically paid people not to work, um, you know, generally worse in blue states than it is in red states. But he made this argument that, like, the economy does not feel good to Americans right now. Uh, and this isn't even getting into the inflation. This isn't even getting into Afghanistan. This isn't even getting into, this seems like this endless, you know, wrangling on Capitol Hill, uh, the situation at the border. The country just isn't in a good place right now. And the entire election of Joe Biden was that he was supposed to fix this stuff and Americans don't feel like it's fixed. So we shouldn't be surprised to see this figure. Um, we can argue about whether Republicans are maximizing their uh, their opportunities here. And that's, I think, a, you know, that's a very debatable contention. But uh, by and large, Americans are getting kind of sour on the Democratic Party. And Greg, it couldn't happen to a better bunch of people. <laughs> well, like we said, it's a, it's a while before midterm election day, but you're really smart to mention the fact that it's not that far away to election day in Virginia, uh, which is uh, very competitive right now. Republicans, uh, according to the Mary Washington poll that we saw a couple of weeks ago, uh, very competitive, if not ahead in all three of the statewide races. And of course, they're also trying to win back the uh, state House of Delegates, which I think is a taller order. Well, let's move on to something else Jim agrees on, and that is the quality and the excellence of the X-Chair. Jim, uh, this is a a chair that you've had now for at least uh, a couple of months, if not longer. Uh, Long days, you know, covering Afghanistan, the debates on Capitol Hill, uh, elections and everything else. So as uh, time goes on, uh, is the X-Chair holding up to its promises? It is. And it is also holding up my tush at the moment. But uh, <laughs> if you're listening to this, uh, I assume you have a job. Maybe you don't. Maybe you're looking for a job. Uh, as I mentioned in the last a few months ago, that there are you know, almost a record number of job openings in the country. Um, and maybe you can convince your employer to get an ex-chair. If not, if your job requires you to work from home, it's worth getting one. I was thinking about, just, you know, you're going to spend hours at your desk. That, that's, for, that's just a modern fact of life. The X chair is meant to support you all day long. And that's not even getting into the massage ability, the heating ability, the cooling ability. Think of it as an investment in your back and in your health and in your comfort and just your ability to do your job and, and maybe with a little bit of enthusiasm, right? This is, you know, I come into my home office, I see this chair and I just want to get to work. I just want to hit it. I just want to, you know, all gas and no brakes, as Robert Sala, the head coach of the Jets, would say. Uh, it's not all. By the way, I wouldn't have said that like before last week. You know, he's back <laughs> in my good graces again. But if you want to, you know, attack your job with with you know with enthusiasm and energy and and you know ready to take on the day, then you're going to want a comfortable chair. If you dread sitting in your chair, you're just not going to have that kind of attitude. So I would say, go out, invest in your yourself, invest in your back, take care of yourself, and go get yourself an X chair, and you can thank me later. Try the X chair for yourself, risk-free for 30 days. Once you realize how much better your chair should be, you'll never go back. Go to xchairmartini.com right now. That's the letter X, chair, M-A-R-T-I-N-I.com. Or call 844-4X-CHAIR for $100 off your order. X chair has a 30-day guarantee of complete comfort, and you can finance your purchase for as little as $30 per month. Again, xchairmartini.com. All right, Jim, let's move on to our bad martini, and it is bad. Seems like every weekend, or just after the weekend, we keep hearing about how many people got shot in Chicago the last weekend and how many people were killed. It's just this horrifying, relentless pattern. 
And we might be starting to understand why it keeps happening. Uh, This is the Chicago Sun-Times. Five men linked to a deadly gang-related shootout Friday in Austin, and that's the Austin neighborhood in Chicago, were released from custody after prosecutors declined to charge each of them with a pair of felonies, including first-degree murder, the Chicago Sun-Times has learned. The brazen mid-morning gunfight, which left one shooter dead and two of the suspects wounded, stemmed from an internal dispute between two factions of the Four Corner Hustlers Street Gang, according to an internal police report and a law enforcement source with knowledge of the investigation. The source said police sought to charge all five suspects with murder and aggravated battery. By Sunday morning, a Chicago police spokeswoman acknowledged the suspects had, quote, been released without charges. In a statement later Sunday, the spokeswoman for Cook County State's Attorney's Office explained the prosecutors had determined that the evidence was insufficient to meet our burden of proof to approve felony charges. While she wouldn't specify what other evidence prosecutors needed to file charges, the police report acknowledged that victims of the shootout weren't cooperating with investigators. But the report also framed the state's attorney's office's decision to decline charges in a different light. Quote, Mutual combatants was cited as the reason for the rejection. Mutual combat is a legal term to define a fight or struggle that two parties willingly engage in. So, Jim, as long as both sides are happy to engage in the massive shootout in their neighborhood, apparently it's not a crime anymore. So, um, does this mean dueling is, is legal again? I mean, you know, now, after Zell Miller passes away, we decide we're okay with dueling? <laughs> strike real heart into real fear into the heart of Chris Matthews if this had come along a little earlier but no no for those who don't remember back in 2004 Zale Miller who was the uh, Democratic was a Democratic senator he was a former Democratic governor then turned senator right um, who gave spoke at the Republican convention in 2004 because Miller supported uh, President George W Bush in the war on terror and uh, Chris Matt he appeared on MSNBC and Chris Matthews talked over him and the interview got more and more hostile and Zell Miller, you know, said, I wish we lived in the days where you could challenge a person to a duel. That would be pretty good. And unfortunately, he could not challenge Chris Matthews to a duel. I don't know whether it would have been like, you know, 10 paces, pistols at dawn or a knife fight or maybe just spitballs. Um, <laughs> but that would have been awesome. But so, yeah, so apparently killing is cool now. So I guess this is good news. You know, as long as you as long as you agree to it, as long as you and the other person say, hey, we're going to try to kill each other. Uh, and I guess, you know, I, I don't like, do you have to like sign a waiver? I imagine, you know, some sort of like paperwork to say, yes, I give this permission to kill me if I am unable to kill this person first. Um, I mean, I, the other thing is, is like, look, I know well, yeah, there are a whole bunch of reasons of why Chicago has a high murder rate. I think we would all agree that poverty doesn't help. I think we'd all agree that lack of opportunity doesn't help. And Greg, just think of how many jobs we can create with fight clubs now. Um, for everyone who loved the Brad Pitt movie with Ed Norton or, or the Chuck Palahniuk uh, novel, whatever, you know, now you can go out and you can find fight clubs and, and just the gladiatorial games that we will see in Chicago could just do a lot for that. And maybe that Las Vegas, you know, um, legal gambling sort of thing. So, I mean, like a lot of people are going to give Kim Fox uh, uh, grief about this and basically say, wait a minute, wait a minute, you've effectively decided you're just not going to prosecute murder cases or, you know, attempted murder cases. Because you've decided, eh, they were both into it. They both seem to be enjoying themselves. Just good, clean fun with, you know, the chance of murder. And uh, But I don't know. I, I kind of think this is very farsighted. And very, you know, or maybe it's just a population control measure. I'm, I'm not quite sure what the thinking is there, Greg. 
Well, you mentioned Kim Fox, and for those who don't remember, she's the one who basically made all the charges against Jesse Smollett go away over his uh, hoax of being attacked, you know, in 30 below wind chill weather by guys in MAGA hats on the south side of Chicago. Two in the Chicago morning. is MAGA country. <laughs> yes, I think exactly. the Republican vote was like, what, 2%? Something like that. And so uh, our friend John Gabriel over at uh, Ricochet had uh, a, a good... A terse analysis of this. Uh, apparently, if uh, there are mutual combatants, it's the equivalent of offsetting penalties in football. And so you just re- replay them down. <laughs> yeah, we have offsides on this one and unnecessary roughness and beating the guy with his own severed limb. The penalties offset, replay the down. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. Obviously, we're making light of this, but I mean, Chicago is such a total mess. So much so that Lori Lightfoot, the uh, the very far left mayor says that uh, this decision by Kim Fox uh, means the city could be sent into chaos. So I don't know what her previous definition of chaos was, but I'm pretty sure it was already there. But uh, she is right that this won't help. All right, let's talk about something way better than that. And that is the comfortable, wonderful products you can get from my pillow. Look, there's nothing better than slipping into bed with soft, comfortable sheets at the end of a long day. And now my pillow wants you to sleep better than ever with their Giza Dream Sheets. I love the Giza Dream Sheets. I've said this before. Once it's time to wash them, we wash them and then we put them right back on the bed. We absolutely love our Giza Dream Sheets from my pillow. They're soft, they're comfortable, uh, they look great, and... Uh, I can't uh, can't be more happy with them. Plus, once you've got the my pillow and uh, towels and uh, the slippers, a uh, uh, fantastic products. And the best thing right now, in addition to the quality, is that for a limited time, you can buy one get one free on any Giza Dream Sheets. Imagine sliding into the most comfortable sheets you will ever own, guaranteed. These sheets are made from the world's best cotton, which is grown only in a region between the Sahara Desert, the Mediterranean Sea, and the Nile River. The long staple cotton makes them ultra soft and breathable. These sheets are available in a variety of colors and sizes. They're machine washable and they come with a 60 day money back guarantee and a one year limited warranty. And for a limited time, you can buy one, get one free on all Giza Dream Sheets. Go to MyPillow.com, click the radio listener square and use the promo code Martini at checkout. Or call 800-874-0104 to find deep discounts on all MyPillow products, including the MyPillow mattress topper, the MyPillow towel sets, and so much more. Don't miss the sale of the year. That's MyPillow.com, promo code Martini, or call 800-874-0104. Sleep better with MyPillow.com. All right, for those of you who follow Jim Garrity on Twitter, and I highly encourage that you to do that, uh, at Jim Garrity, by the way, uh, you know that uh, late last week he went to his local CVS for his booster shot, and it was a bit of an adventure since they uh, kind of piled up the, uh, the scheduling there, but uh, everything ended up working out, although taking longer than you probably expected, Jim. But uh, given the fact that you've already had this, you can't be thrilled to see this new report from Politico about how there's complete disarray in the Biden administration, about whether we should actually keep going with the boosters or just shelve them. Here's what Politico says. A vocal contingent of prominent doctors and scientists is pressing the Biden administration to scrap its plans to provide booster shots to all previously vaccinated adults, according to five people familiar with the matter. Several of these outside experts, including some who advised Biden's transition team, objected to the administration's approach during a private off-the-record call last week with federal health officials. 
Current U.S. data on vaccine performance does not justify using boosters widely to reduce the risk of breakthrough infections and slow the virus's spread, the experts said. They told officials on the September 27th call, including Biden's chief medical advisor, Dr. Anthony Fauci, White House policy advisor Cameron Webb, and the head of the FDA and CDC, that the shots should be given to people most at risk of severe COVID-19 to reduce hospitalizations or deaths, which basically goes back to the... Uh, the uh, the FDA's original recommendation of 65 and over and uh, certain cases of uh, compromised uh, immune systems and so forth. So, uh, Jim, we heard Fauci, you know, a couple of months ago saying, eh, I don't think we need boosters. And then a week later, everybody's like, yay, boosters. And then Biden's making a big pitch for boosters. And now we hear, yeah, you really don't need the boosters. Yeah. So it's interesting because I, you know, I'm very pro-vaccination. If you haven't been vaccinated, go out and get them. But I kind of been less, I don't say less enthusiastic, but to me, the, the case for boosters seemed less clear cut. Um, I, you know, people had heard about, oh, two FDA officials resigned. I don't think people necessarily recognized that the two people who were, you know, it's not necessarily they resigned and said, that's it, I'm storming out of here. But it's hard to believe that uh, their decision to leave the FDA at the end of the year and their decision to run a uh, paper in the uh, Lancet Medical Journal arguing that boosters were not really needed for most Americans. It's hard to believe those two were not unrelated. And this is you know, Marion Gruber, who was the director of the FDA's Office of Vaccines Research and Review, and Phil Krause, who was the deputy director of the same office. And like, you, you can't call these people quacks. You can't call these people anti-vaxxers by any stretch of the imagination. They probably know about as much about vaccinations as any other people in the entire U.S. government. And they're looking at this and saying, no, they, you know, most Americans really don't. Immunocompromised, yes. Aged American, yes. Uh, and you know, maybe uh, there sounds like there was some disagreement about whether if you're in a position where you were highly exposed to other people, whether you'd need it. And it sounds like there's some debate about whether if you have other health issues, whether you need it. Um, so I'd kind of be a little bit wary. And then, yes, I did on you know share my uh, the adventures of this on Twitter. Um, I, I did this not necessarily like to shame uh, anybody at the CVS, uh, you know, I think uh, it's certainly the nurse Lois who took care of me was, you know, as caring and, and, you know, as great as you could be. It sounds like it really much was a, a paperwork and online scheduling and a, um, you know, uh, man, main, maintenance of records snafu. It sounds like, you know, the, the entire system runs through an internet connection that goes through an old man's knees. Uh, so if it rains, it doesn't work, that sort of thing. So it was, you know, it's entirely, it was not an issue of getting the, the shots into people. It was entirely a matter of making sure they, you know, filled out all the, light, the right stuff on a website that seemed very glitchy that was causing the holdup. And some people who had, you know, said that it was going to be a 60 minute wait from the scheduled time that they'd gone online to make, they're like, all right, that's it, I'll do it some other time. So if you see people not getting boosters or, or not getting shots, I, you know, it kind of seems fair to wonder, have we made the process of getting these shots as easy as it should be? And if it turns into a giant hassle, some people just aren't going to be that motivated and they're going to go home or they're going to have other stuff they need to do. So that's the first thing I, I was talking about that. I did eventually decide to get one in part because I realized that I'd be going to be spending time around a whole lot more people in the coming weeks. And I, you know, I was coming up on the uh, six month point or past the six month point on the vaccination that I'd gotten. And I figured, okay, uh, better safe than sorry. I'll go ahead and get through it. You know, I don't know if you noticed this, uh, Greg, as a Bears fan, you may recognize this, that getting to see your team score a touchdown is kind of rare. Uh, <laughs> so when Jets fans do this, they hug each other. They high five. It is utter euphoria. And we're all very happy. But if I, you know, if anybody in that section had COVID, there's a good chance I'd probably be exposed because we were just thrilled and all kinds of, you know, uh, we were definitely not six feet apart. 
and all kinds of high fiving and, and and all kinds of stuff like that. So, um, you know, it was just one of the things like, okay, I want to go get this. The fact that we're still having this argument is kind of frustrating, and I can't help but get the feeling that an administration headed by a guy who said, I'm not going to shut down the economy. I'm not going to shut down the country. I'm going to shut down the virus for much of 2020 and just kind of acted like there was some sort of button in the Oval Office that just says shut down the virus. And if, you know, the problem was Trump just hadn't pushed that button and that once Biden got in there, he was going to press the button and everything would be fine. Well, here we are, October. Things have gotten a little bit better. I think uh, if you look at I think to me, it says to me, it says this has seasonal pattern. Uh, that you know the, the southern states where the you know, temperatures were really hot had really bad numbers, particularly in late summer. That to me says people are spending time indoors in air conditioning, spending more time close together, and more likely going to have more spread. And you started seeing not just case numbers come up because, as we've discussed on this podcast, getting a you know a case number just means you you got infected. You can be fully vaccinated. You may not even be all that sick, but you know you you tested positive. Uh, you probably should quarantine, but you know, you're not going to die. You're not going to end up in a hospital. You're not going to end up in an ICU. You're, you're probably going to be fine. Um, but the hospitalization rates in the Northern states are starting to increase. Now, some of them are coming up from very low ones, uh, very low initial numbers. But you know, my sense is that as the temperatures get colder, people in the Northern states are going to spend more time indoors. People spend more time indoors closer together. The virus is going to spread faster from one person to another. It's not necessarily a crisis, but it probably is something we should be aware of. And anybody who has spent the summer saying, ha, those foolish and silly southern states, they, you know, well, no, there's more to this at work. You can't turn everything into a moral judgment on the parts of the country that you don't like. So anyway, do Americans need boosters? You know, I, I guess, but it certainly sounds like there are a bunch of folks at the FDA and, and not dumb, you know, genuine medical experts who look at this and say, yeah, no, actually, they're, they're keeping people out of the hospital uh, mild infections are not something people need to freak out about. It's become, you know, it's the irony is that as we reach this point, the virus does become more like the seasonal winter flu. And, uh, we don't, you know, shut down society over the seasonal winter flu. Um, you know, if you're in one of those real higher risk categories, yes, you probably should. Uh, the fact that deaths in nursing homes are starting to creep up in the last couple of months does indicate if you're older and you are immunocompromised or you have other health issues that might make a COVID-19 infection, uh, more complicated and, and more at higher risk for yourself, then yeah, you probably want to get that booster. Um, but everybody else, if you're young and healthy, your, your immune system's probably going to be fine. And that's, that seems to be where the FDA has generally gone on. It sounds like, you know, Walensky and her outside advisory panel had a disagreement about people who would be in high exposure areas, people who'd be interacting with the public a great deal. Um, again, it's very tough to shake the feeling that the administration's desire to do something uh, made them take an action that real medical experts are like, mm, not so sure we really need to do that. So uh, talk to your doctor, your doctor, you know, talk to somebody you trust, get a sense of if you, if you're on the fence about whether you need a booster, talk to, you know, talk to somebody who knows what they're talking about and uh, reach your own conclusions. But the stories of administration infighting on this are really not reassuring. All right, Jim, looks like uh, not everybody's quite on the same page over there, but uh, we are, and we'll reconvene tomorrow. See you then. See you tomorrow, Greg. Jim Garrity, National Review. I'm Greg Corumbus of Radio America. Thanks for being with us today. Uh, please do subscribe to the Three Martini Lunch podcast if you don't already. Tell your friends about us as well. Glad to have them along too. Uh, we also thank you for your very kind reviews and your five-star ratings. Get us on those home devices. All you have to say is play Three Martini Lunch podcast. Again, follow us on Twitter. He's at Jim Garrity. I'm at Dateline underscore DC. Have a great Wednesday and please join us again on Thursday for the next Three Martini Lunch.
There's so much going on in the news, but don't worry, because we're here to talk about all the things. Politicians are still fighting over the debt ceiling, even though it's our money. Greta Thunberg is still preaching to the world, and people freaked out over social media sites like Facebook and Instagram crashing for just a few hours this week. Hey, it's the Chicks from the Chicks on the Right podcast. Download and subscribe to our daily podcast to hear us pick apart and pick on the news of the day. Politics to pop culture. Nobody's safe, but it's all fun. Subscribe on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. Yes.